How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, the takes are hot. Episode nine is coming in hot for you this week. Um, got a good bit of stuff to talk about. Happy Christmas Eve, as the draft is tomorrow night. That is the reason that this episode is coming to you guys a day early on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday this week is because tomorrow night we'll release a late, late uh, episode, just instant reactions of the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, but as we always do, we're going to kick off this episode with some golf. Um, probably our lightest golf that we've had so far last weekend, the Zurich Classic of New Orleans wrapped up. Pairing that was leading the way after the first day ended up winning after four days in Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, um, two top 10 golfers in the world. They finished the weekend at 29 under. Uh, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, another two top 10 golfers, came in at 27 under. Um, so they were the two at the top. I think third place was 24 under. So a little bit of a gap between the two. Um, the reigning champs, Mark Leishman and Cam Smith, finished tied for 21st at 17 under. So a little bit of a down week for those guys as they're normally some of the best golfers on tour. Uh, but this upcoming weekend, starting tomorrow, the Mexican Open will occur uh, in Mexico, obviously. Kind of a lesser event that not many top players participate in. I know John Rahm is participating, but outside of that, there's not too many. Uh, they're mostly getting ready for the event that follows the Mexican Open in the Wells Fargo Championship. A week from tomorrow, the Wells Fargo Championship will tee off at TPC Potomac, which is actually in Potomac, Maryland. And Rory McIlroy won that event last year. So not too much going on. We're kind of just building up, getting a few events in between the Masters and the U.S. Open, which will occur in mid-June. Um, so, yeah, nothing too big or new, really. Uh, just giving updates on who finished high and what events are coming up. I'll submit my early pick for the U.S. Open at Patrick Cantley. The guy's been on fire the past couple of weeks, um, playing really good golf. He's historically, as of the last couple of years, been playing good golf, um, come really close in a couple of, a couple of majors. So I'll take him in the U.S. Open early. Uh, early prediction here for June, but we'll move to baseball here. Got the Major League Baseball a little bit a little bit update this week. Um, I know we're a day early on the episode, and early in the season, we're not going to give you guys a standings update every week. They're going to change so much. Um more a little player based. The Orioles star pitcher John Means underwent Tommy John surgery this past week. He's going to miss the remainder of the season. That's kind of a damper on uh, on Brett's team there. Um, but another pitcher news: Walker Bueller, the pitcher for the Dodgers, uh, threw a complete game shutout, first of his career and the first of the MLB season against the Arizona Diamondbacks on Monday night. Uh, I think he went for 13 Ks, a really good dominant outing, Cy Young stuff from a guy who who was a popular Cy Young pick in the National League this year. Yeah. Um... A couple highlights from that. Definitely impressive to do that at any level. Uh, you know, for the Orioles, it sucks, but I mean, it's not like it really hurts you too much just because expectations were already so low. Uh, but for positive news for the Orioles, Adley Rutschman started his rehab last night as he was playing on the high A feeder team for the Orioles. Um, so look for him to be back here probably mid-May in the next three weeks or so. So that's at least exciting that we're starting to get some prospects coming up to the big leagues. Um, but against the Orioles last night, Anthony Rizzo had three home runs, one which cleared the wall by like a few inches. Our right fielder has a vertical of like 15 probably. He couldn't reach over the five-foot wall in right field, which should have been pretty much, you know, a 
routine catch just above your head. Um, couldn't catch that one, but the other two were no doubters. Uh, the Yankees won last night 12 to 8, I believe, high scoring game. Um, so, the season series between Orioles and Yankees is now tied at two. Yeah, no, it's uh, good to see the Orioles stay in a couple of games from early in the uh, in the se- in the season. Um, but in other news, Mike Trout continues to do Mike Trout things uh, this season. Uh, he had a check swing for a hustle triple the other day. Um, you know, check swing late, uh, a ball bounced off the end of the bat, goes down the first base line, and you talk about a ball that just kind of carried a little bit, got got away from a couple of fielders and. He also went around for a triple, and um, not a lot of guys are doing that in the MLB. Mike Trout's one of one. Uh, I think he's still the best player in the MLB, and he's having a great year so far. He smacked a couple homers the other day, so he's no doubt in his bag right now and uh, letting everyone know he's still the best player in the MLB, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he's looking good. The Angels are looking, you know, not bad. Uh, division's kind of up for grabs right now, as as most divisions, but – It'll be interesting to see where the Angels finish the season. You know, they got Otani and Trout. You can really do anything with those guys, especially when Otani is also producing on the mound. Um, really beneficial to the roster. But that's pretty much it for the Major League Baseball front. Um, we're going to head down to the college level. The Texas Tech Red Raiders continue their slide. Uh, they stayed at nine in the rankings that came out this Monday morning. And while they won the first two games versus West Virginia, due to dominant pitching, and we'll get into that in a second. They once again fell flat in a series finale. Uh, they continue to search for someone that can kind of start on Sundays but can't have any consistent arms beyond Morris and Birdsell, who are our Friday and Saturday starters. Uh, Morris's pitching line, he pitched a complete game, allowing three hits, two earned runs, three walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, Texas Tech won that game 7-5 to five after a – Horrific third inning defensively where we committed four errors. They scored four runs in the third. Um, so most of those were not earned for Andrew Morris. Um, and after you saw his start and his pitching, and when he thought it couldn't get any better, uh, Brendan Birdsell pitches the second game uh, Saturday. Both games were on Saturday, actually, in a doubleheader. The game that was supposed to be Friday night got postponed. Um, so Birdsell, you know, comes out 45 minutes later. He pitches a complete game as well, although it only went eight innings due to a 10-run mercy rule run differential. Um, he allowed four hits, no earned runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts, and Tech won that game 12 to do. So, you know, about what I expect from two really, really good pitchers, you know, Morris has come on really strong. He might be our best conference pitcher to date so far, as Birdsell's kind of been solid throughout the year, but Morris, I bet, would have the lowest ERA in conference. But both are looking really good. We just got to find a third starter. Yeah, you know, really positive to see this this kind of come from Morris lately. Again, he kept the dominant dominant run up. Um, we expected it from Birdsell to be kind of an ace. It's nice to have two aces, but the caveat is you have no other pitchers. Um, Mason Millian looked pretty good on Sunday in the loss to West Virginia. Um, it really wasn't his fault. You know, Chase Hansen came and started the game. Uh, didn't even get through an inning. They bring in uh, Mason Molina. He shuts it down. Um, they only get they only gave up two runs in the first inning. Both charged to Hampton. Molina then goes, you know, was it four or five innings pitched uh, of no run ball, and uh, they ended up giving up a three spot when Trenton Parrish came in. I think two of those were charged to Molina, and then um, I think only one was charged to Parrish. But 
And then Trenton Parrish settles in, kind of shakes off a couple of bad outings uh, on Sunday. It pitches for what three innings of uh, of, no, of uh, two run ball or one run ball. So uh, really good outing from him. And then Tim Tadlock tries to big brain it and send out a new pitcher. And um, West Virginia puts up a ten spot in the top of the ninth. Uh, questionable call to end the bottom of the eighth from Tim uh, from the from the umpire crew that was there. Um, they ended up reviewing it, but when the crew chief reviews his own call, he ain't gonna overturn it. Um, Really disappointed in Tim Tadlock, though. Uh, you know, you're not going to go fight for your players. I get that they, I get they review it, but if you still think it's a BS call, you have to go out there and fight for them. Get yourself ejected for a couple of reasons. One, it was a, it was an awful call, um, especially at a pivotal moment in the game. Umpires need to just let the players play, especially in baseball. It's not like it's, and there's no, you know, there's no physical act that took place that that's a clear penalty or, or you know, a foul or whatever you want to call it uh, in, in baseball, but. Um, not definitely not worthy of an out, uh, poor, poor call, but if it's that poor of a call, you got to get the conference to notice it. And the only way to do that is make a big fuss about it as the, as the, as the manager, as head coach, get yourself ejected. Number two, you got to stand up for one of your guys, Parker Kelly, um, cleanest player on the team, you know, team leader, a guy that, you know, wouldn't, wasn't going to make a dirty slide in a second, which was the, which is what they called him out for. And then third is just a lot of fire under the team. You know, they need another run, it's, you know, you're going to go to the top of the ninth, five, four, Light a fire under your guys and see if they can get going to the bottom of the ninth. Um, so really disappointed in Tim Tadlock, a guy, you know, a coach for the Texas Tech Red Raiders who's done nothing but make them a perennial power in, in, in the college baseball landscape. But disappointing to see the lack of lack of emotion from him uh, this season. And um, again, just I wish he would have fought for the for, for their guys as the guys a little bit more. Um, I just I'm not a huge fan of that. You know, and I'm not asking him to be the Tennessee baseball head coach at, at Tennessee where. He's going to go out in the fourth inning and get absolutely mon- monumentally ejected by an umpire for getting into his face. But I'm asking for Tim to have a little passion and um, a lot of fire under his guys a little bit. But uh, bad outing from the relievers on on Sunday um, outside of outside of Parrish. Some promising stuff from Molina, but man, the Tech bullpen is is god awful. I mean, it's horrendous, terrible. Whatever whatever bad thing you want to call it, like that's what it is right now. It's horrible. Yeah, it's definitely bottom three in the NCAA, uh, in my opinion. And it was further um, verified last night as Tech lost to Abilene Christian, eight to five, um, in a night that, you know, we couldn't really get anything going offensively. Our pitching doesn't do much either. So it's really frustrating as a Tech fan to where we can't consistently have pitching and hitting producing together um we're always relying on one or the other most games to get us a victory and that's kind of willed us to our ranking at this point and i think it's kind of starting to run out here probably going to drop in the rankings when they come out next monday um so it's frustrating just to see but this team can always turn it around they have a lot of fifth year guys i believe four everyday starters or fifth years so they'll figure it out, I, I think, but it'll just take some time. Um, but this upcoming weekend, they have a three-game set where they'll travel to Waco to face the Baylor Bears. Uh, Baylor's looked a lot worse than people thought they would. I thought they would finish third or fourth in the conference. They have ended up in the top, the bottom two teams currently. Um, I think Baylor is a team that can get hot at the right time. They have two really, really good hitters. I just think 
they can't ever produce consistently on the offensive end, and then you need pitching too. So they haven't really had much of either. Um, but I just wish that, you know, Baylor would play better because then it would affect some other schools' records and it would just make the overall conference more interesting. But, I mean, I expect us to win two of three against Baylor. You can't expect a sweep while it would be nice, and it definitely is realistic. You can never expect it, especially with how we're playing currently. But in terms of rankings across the country, um, we mentioned Tech stayed at nine. This is the least movement I've seen in the rankings all season. Um, only five teams really moved more than one spot. Um, A&M was unranked, and they're now 21st. And Wofford, uh, Wofford College was unranked, and they're now 25th, which is really big news. Um, they're ne- really a school that never produces in the baseball aspect. They made that NCAA basketball run a couple years ago, um, but you never really expect to see anything from them on the baseball side and then got teams that dropped Oregon and Dallas Baptist both dropped out of the rankings. Um, I believe Oregon lost two of three and Dallas Baptist was swept. And then Oklahoma state, a big 12 team uh, dropped from three to eight as they lost two of three to TCU this past weekend. Yeah. Not a ton of movement in the rankings, kind of what you expect, I guess, this kind of this time of the year in college baseball. Um, you know, teams are kind of a lot of teams are going through slumps. I know Texas is going through a similar slump to ours. Um, Tennessee's lost a couple games, so everyone's going to go through these these midseason uh, slumps. Kind of as you get through the month of April, it's kind of a kind of the dog days of college baseball, if you will. Kind of get into the grind of the season before you get a real break. Um, most most schools are going to have a break here in the next couple weeks with finals going on for most schools. I know uh, Texas Tech's finals start uh, first week of, or second week. I'm, I guess midweek. So uh, May 4th is what we call dead day. So uh, from about May 4th to, uh, you know, about a week after that, and May 11th or 12th is when finals will run through. So baseball players will get a break. They won't have any games then for the most part, um, focusing their finals for the spring as they're still, as they're still you know, student, they're student athletes. They'll still be taking classes and stuff. So uh, most colleges that are on the semester system, we're going to have a break here in the next few weeks. Um, kind of get healthy, good time to get guys some rest. Um, I know Texas Tech needs to get guys healthy. needs to get guys some rest. Um, you know, Brendan, Brendan Gurton won't be back for a while, but the Russell certainly help. And you mentioned, uh, I'll give a shout out to a guy on Baylor who's a, an Austin, Texas, greater, greater Austin, Texas area product, uh, Jared McKenzie. Uh, guy's going to be a monster. Uh, he has, he's been great for Baylor all year. Guy looking to go uh, early in the MLB draft this year. So just figured I'd give a shout out to a guy from the 512. Yeah, definitely. He's a guy that led the Big 12 in batting average last year. He's their center fielder. Um, not sure what he's hitting this year, but I'm sure it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I can think of from baseball. Um, I'm going to kind of shift to basketball and start out in the NBA. Uh, the first round of the playoffs is about to wrap up here in the next few days. Uh, if we had our usual, usually scheduled episode tomorrow, we probably would have a couple more series wrapped up, but at this current moment, we have two out of the eight opening round matchups that have concluded. And the only two are Miami and Atlanta series. The Heat took the series in five games, winning the fifth game, I believe it was, last night. And then the Celtics and Nets. Uh, the Celtics swept that series on Monday. So Celtics get, you know, a nice little resting time, or maybe over a week of rest here as they wait to see who their opponent will be. Uh, a couple more series could be concluded tonight. As we have the Bulls at Milwaukee at 630 Central, uh, the Bucks lead that series 3-1. to one. 
We also have the Nuggets and Warriors at nine central. The Warriors lead that series three to one. Yeah, uh, in terms of series going on right now that could end tonight, I think both will be closed out tonight. Uh, Bucks and Warriors both have great home courts. Um, granted, Bulls fans are it's an easy travel for them, but still, I think uh, Milwaukee wraps it up tonight in in Milwaukee. I think same goes for Golden State. Um, they almost wrapped it up in Denver, and they were close for most of the game. They runs up pulling away at home uh, in Game Four to avoid the sweep. Um, Brooklyn was unable to do that. I'll say this. Maybe the most disappointed I've ever been in a player in a, a playoff series and Kevin Durant um, outside of his have his big game four, the guy was uh, a non-factor. And for, you know, who a guy that I think is going to go down as maybe the, the best scorer of all time, um, really disappointed to see the fact just just the lack of aggression from him as a player um, didn't really take a lot of shots. I, I don't really understand that, um, you know. I'll eat some crow a little bit. I thought the Nets would take the series, and and back when they made the trade for Ben Simmons, um, I thought they may go all the way. Again, Ben Simmons didn't play. I think that's that's another discussion to have. <laughs> I really don't understand that at all. Um, I don't think Ben Simmons is about winning. If that's the case, I mean, Ben Simmons is nursing this back issue for how long? Um, and this leg issue. It's, so it's like you know you get back on the floor at some point. So apparently he's taking time away. I, there's some rumor yesterday that went that went around that he's not going to be with the Nets anymore. I'm not really sure that's going to work. Um, you know, the Nets really thought they had something with this with this super team they try and build. They tried to build a Harden, uh, KD, and Kyrie, and just didn't work out. Uh, you know, Kyrie not playing with them for most of the year is a huge detriment to the team and the chemistry. So that, that's a big part of it. Um, in terms of Heat in Atlanta, or the Heat uh, and Hawks series, the Miami and Atlanta series, not super shocked there. Um, you know, I figured I figured Atlanta maybe went on one more game, maybe steal one in Miami. But um, you know, Jimmy Butler looks really good right now. He plays his best basketball in the playoffs, and everyone knows that at this point. Um, Jimmy Buckets is definitely in his bag right now, and uh, Heat look really good. Heater, Heater going to draw the winner of you um, draw the winner of the Raptors Sixers series. Is that correct? Or is that going to be the Milwaukee series that they're going to draw the winner of? I'm drawing uh, a blank believe, on those standings. Is that, it was tight. The Eastern Conference was it tight. Is, I believe it is. Bucks and Bulls. Ooh, that's a tough draw if they get the Bucks. Um, I think you're right. So, either way, that should be a great series coming up. Um, series we have still going on. Uh, tomorrow we have Game Six. Raptors at or Sixers at Raptors rather. Um, Toronto's got to try and force a Game Seven uh, after being down 3-0, which would be pretty impressive. Uh, Suns will travel to New Orleans to play the Pelicans, and they could finish up the series. Uh, as they're up three two right now, so um, should be a couple really good games. Uh, I hope I hope the Raptors push Game Seven. Uh, be interesting to see. So, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when a team's down three zero, it seems more times than not that they, the team that's down, wins that fourth game. And if you get a, a little momentum, you know, you never know what could happen. Uh, it's never happened before, but you could definitely see the Raptors winning, uh, being in Toronto. Uh, but I think that Game Seven will be really tough. And then the Mavs travel to Utah to play the Jazz. Uh, Dallas could wrap that series up. They're up 3-2 right now. I don't know if they do, just because it's a tough travel. Jazz have a good crowd. Um, so they'll probably be going back to Dallas for game seven. And the Grizzlies will play the Timberwolves as well. Uh, Memphis leads that 3-2 after a great comeback last night. Uh, Timberwolves were up um, 13 in the final 10 minutes, and the Grizzlies ended up winning by a few. So. 
that was a really good game. John Morant had an absurd poster, which was really cool. Just one of those dunks that you think he's going to get there and like, throw it in, and he got all the way to the rim. Hurtling. Uh, I forget. Yeah. It was Beasley. That's right. He um, had – did you see his up and under? His game winner last night was a ridiculous up and under. Um, it was crazy. I mean, the finish was incredible. Um, Jaw looks like that guy right now. Um, but yeah, like that. I mean, the poster last night, I mean – the internet went crazy as they should. Um, I mean, he got like, and he's been close on some of those before. Um, he's been real close a couple of times to just putting guys on an absolute poster and he finally finished it. Um, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, playoff basketball is always awesome. Just all the, you know, great highlights, just the stakes of every single game is always fun to watch. Um, I think that's pretty much it, though. We covered the eight series that have concluded or that are about to conclude in the opening round of NBA playoffs. Going to kind of shift to NCAA level um, on the court. Texas Tech head coach Mark Adams signed a five-year extension through the 2026-2027 season. So that contract will be in effect immediately. And I bet he retires after that. You know, he's already up there in age, five more years. I'm sure they'll already have their candidate that's going to replace him set. That's kind of what I took from is they give him the extra five years. Um, if they wanted to give him a lifetime, they'd give him a lifetime. And I think that that, that contract date, uh, it was rumored to be a three-year extension. I know a couple of weeks ago they kind of they were talking about him getting an extension. There was rumored to be three or four. But uh, seeing that it's five tells me that they want to have his replacement found uh, by year four by the end of year four and have an entire year for, for them to make sure that that's the guy. And um, similar to how Duke and UNC have done with these transitions, I think the more time you give yourself, the better to kind of figure this out. So, um, you know, good move from Texas Tech. Uh, AD Kirby Hocutt, a big fan of the move. I think Mark Adams is a great head coach. He's proven to be a pretty good recruiter. Um, you know, we'll see what happens at the portal. I know a lot of guys committed this week. Uh, another guy, um, the Red Raiders, te- uh, <clears throat> sorry, Kevin McCuller Jr., uh, I guess officially enters the portal and declares for the draft. Um, I think he probably uh, – it's exactly what T.J. Shannon did last year. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Um, he just – there's a lot of guards this year in the draft. Um, that's what he wants to be. So I could see him coming back. <clears throat> um, whether or not he stays at Texas Tech or goes elsewhere in college, that, that's TBD. Um, I think it's up to him about what he wants to do. If he wants to be a primary ball handler, I don't know if Texas Tech's the place for him anymore. Um, again, I think the way that they run the offense, they don't really run it through a true point guard. And, um, they've also got a couple ball handlers kind of in the wings coming in with Pop Isaacs, uh, top 100 crew Pop Isaacs, top 100 crew Lamar Washington coming in, um, as well as you've got Malik Wilson coming back, Clarence Adolny coming back. So uh, you're going to have four guards there. And I think – I personally think Kevin McCuller fits better at the wing. That's just me. I think he's a good 3 and D guy. Um, I don't know if he's a point guard at the next level either. So, But it's really what he wants to do, what he wants his career to kind of shape out as um, – you know, I think he's likely going to be um, – I still think he could be back with the Red Raiders. It really just depends on what he wants to do. So, Yeah, it definitely be unfortunate if we lost him, especially on the defensive end. But he's going to do whatever he thinks, like you said, uh, would be best for his stock. Um, but another news, staying in Lubbock, Texas Tech, power forward, and the leading rebounder of last year's roster, Kevin O'Banner, will return to Texas Tech and use his final year of eligibility as this will be his sixth year in college basketball. Uh, really exciting for him to come back. You know, he provided a spark late in the season. 
kind of a slow start to the season initially, but those last, you know, 10 games, he really produced and might have been our best player uh, consistently. Uh, but our, our other power forward, Marcus Santos Silva, is now working out to become an NFL tight end. Um, he has no more college eligibility remaining. So, you know, he's weighing all of his options and is working out, you know, at the tech facility, just on any field, um, you know, looking to become a tight end. Six, eight, big bodied guy. Um, if he learns how to block, maybe run some routes. I don't know. I wonder what could happen. It's similar to what Mike Mark Vital did last year. Yeah, similar situation. Um, you know, I think Silva's got the athleticism for it. I think he definitely has, uh, definitely has the, the, I guess, the athletic ability to. Um, you know, he's got the ups. He's got. The, I think he has the soft enough hands for it. He's a really good rebounder. Um, that translates a little bit. Uh, you, you know, you've seen guys in the past. Antonio Gates is kind of the big one that sticks out for everybody, going from Kent State basketball to being a, one of the greatest tight ends of all time uh, for the San Diego Chargers. But you know, I, I'm really. It's interesting. You know, I don't know how it worked out for Mark Vital. I don't know if it's going to be any better for Silva. Listen, he is my new tight end one. I'll, I'll, I'll plant that flag. Tight end one, baby. Got to support my guy, MSS. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, this is probably his best route for now. Listen, if it doesn't work out for him, he can go play in Europe, go play uh, in the G League. Uh, my prediction is within the next five years, he's back on staff with Mark Adams before he's out of there. Um, I just know him and Mark are super close. Uh, you know, Silva – I mean, the Mark Adams was pretty close when uh, even when Beard was there that one year, Silva was there uh, with Beard. So, uh, I, I, you know, Adams and him were pretty close. I think that's, that's one of his guys. So I could see him being back on the staff. And in terms of KL coming back, I um, couldn't be more excited about it. I think he's going to be a huge, huge piece for the team next year. Um, he can may, maybe even lead the team in scoring, to be honest with you. Um, wouldn't shock me. I think uh, him coming back is a huge get for them. And they're really only missing one big man now uh, that, you know, I think they can get, get by with. Uh, with what they got with Daniel Bacho and uh, and Kevin O'Banner, if they can get one more big man, uh, you know, I think they'll be really pretty pretty rounded out roster. I know Jalen Tyson can kind of play the four if need be, so I like the way the roster's shaping out. But in terms of guys uh, kind of across the country, uh, top portal guys committing, uh, top point guard transfer Kendrick Davis, who's kind of the consensus number one overall uh, guy in the portal from SMU, uh, committed to Memphis. That was kind of where everyone thought he would go. Uh, a little bit surprising, to be honest. I kind of thought he, you know, I just Memphis, you know, I get it. They had a good tournament run, but I just Memphis a little bit surprising. They haven't really been, you know, churning out the five-star talents and going to the NBA as much as they should. I've had a lot of five-stars commit there recently, and not all of them have gone pro and done well. So a little surprised Kendrick Davis goes to SMU. Um, and then another uh, Big 12 guy, Nigel Pack from Kansas State, another top point guard goes to Miami. That was another big prediction. Um, both those guys had Texas Tech in their top five. Um, not surprised Pat goes away from the Big 12 and kind of gets to the ACC. Maybe where he feels he can be more successful with Miami, I'm not really sure. But um, a couple couple top uh, point guard transfers are already kind of committed early. Yeah, you know, uh, Kendrick Davis was a guy that Tech really wanted. Uh, Nigel Pack was too, but they I feel like Tech knew earlier that Pack would not be choosing them than they did Davis. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you mentioned it. Going to Memphis is a little interesting, all just because Penny Hardaway, uh, their top transfer, or top recruit they landed last year, Moni Bates, is leaving them as of now. Uh, he's in the transfer portal. So, that'll be interesting to see how that roster shapes out. But another high-end point guard that's transferring, Tyreek Key, who Tech was also high on uh, from Indiana State, went back to where he's from and committed to the University of Tennessee. Um, so, Tech continues to search for, you know, that first – or I guess should I say second 
transfer commit. Um, Fardaz Amick, a 6'11 power forward center um, who has shot about 39% from three. He's from the Utah Valley. He is on a visit with Texas Tech right now. It's a two-day visit. Uh, saw some pictures. He was actually at the baseball game last night with Mark Adams and crew. So it'd be interesting to see what he chooses. It definitely seems like Tech is a front runner and it will be monumental, similar to what Bryson brought for us last year. I think Amick could stand come right in and be that same uh, kind of leader and dominant guy in the post. Um, to wrap up the NCAA basketball, UNC is returning everyone uh, that has eligibility. They just landed a five-star recruit today for the class of 2023. They also opened next season as the number one team in the country. So definitely something to look out for there. Um, Tar Heels haven't skipped a beat since Roy Williams retired. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, the fact that Caleb Love's back is huge for them. He, he kind of announced that this week uh, in an interesting tweet. Uh, there was a there's a meme. I'll kind of depict this quickly. There's a meme of uh, of someone's grandma like in like a large birdcage. And the meme is like it's, a, it's like I'm not letting her out until whatever happens. And it was like I'm not letting her out until Caleb Love announces her return to UNC. And he quote tweets it with like let her out. So that's how we announced he was back at UNC. I think it's funny. I'm all about it. Um, it's a it's a 19 year old kid being a 19 20 year old kid being a 19 20 year old kid. I think it's hilarious. Um, it's exactly what I would do too. I mean, I think that's really funny. So, uh, but yeah, really big that he's back for them. But kind of wraps up the college basketball uh, kind of scene. We're gonna kind of switch shift to the college football scene. Um, Texas Tech played their spring game this past weekend. I was in attendance with my dad and my grandpa. Pop pop, shout out pop pop, shout out my dad. I know they're probably gonna listen to this this week. Um, we had a really good time. Uh, I was pretty locked in on what the offense was doing for the most part. Um, really looking for the quarterback battle, and I think it got a ton of clarity uh, for the fans. Uh, that was much needed, I think. Um, I kind of was it was pretty ambiguous. It's kind of the, the notion was that it was really tight, kind of a, a real good three way three way race um, going into this, going into Saturday, at least from the fan perception. And um, in my opinion, it's really not a, a three a three horse race. Um, if anything, it's a one horse race. Um, you know, the good it was kind of the good, bad, the ugly. Um, I'll start with the good. Baron Morton. Uh, he's easily QB one right now, and I'll be very frustrated and have a lot of questions if he's not the guy. Uh, week one against Murray State, he looked far and away like the best quarterback on the field on on Saturday. I don't know if fans want to have this conversation yet, but you know he's the guy. Um, you know he 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 didn't force anything. His progressions were really clean. He went through them really quickly. He stepped up when he needed to. Um, he was an efficient you know progress guy, progress progression guy. Um, Again, nothing sloppy about his play. Super clean. I wish they let him throw the ball a little bit more. Um, I'll say this off the gate. Uh, Donovan Smith threw the ball seven times. Baron Morton threw the ball 13 times. And Tyler Shuck threw the ball 33 times. Granted, Baron Morton's day was shut down early. Um, he did not finish the rest of the game as I think they saw they needed to see from him. And uh, Shuck and, and Smith got a couple more drives, and they got the third string guy, or the, I guess rather the fourth string quarterback in there. But uh, back to what I was saying about Morton, uh, you know, he couldn't ask for a better showing from the young guy. Um, I think he he's far and away the best quarterback on the team right now. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I know, you know, Brett and I talked about a lot. He's coming in. He was going to have the best arm talent on the team and he really does, which is important. I think if you're going to throw the ball, I guess the bad Tyler Shuck looked like the same player that he did like last year. Um, and that's okay. It's just not going to cut it when you've got a guy like Morton on the roster as well. Um, you know, he's throwing the ball decently. His throws progressed, but you know, second play of the game, second play from scrimmage, he, he throws, 
he's late. He lit on his progressions and he gets to his third read and it's an out route and he throws it super late. And, um, Texas tech corner was all over it and jumped it and took it to the crib for six. I mean, it was not even close. Um, the ball didn't get there in time. The read didn't happen quick enough at that point. If you're getting to your third read, you got, you got to step up and go. Um, I don't know if shucks a guy that can do that much either. So, um, again, it's not like he looked bad. It's just, he looked like the same quarterback and I don't know if that's going to cut it. You know, a guy's going to be, you know, it's his fifth year in college football. You gotta be, you gotta show some improvement from your fourth year, fifth year. So, um, you know, not great there in, in the ugly um, and really disappointed me personally with Donovan Smith looked like a deer in headlights in the worst way possible. Um, got happy feet in the pocket. You know, you seeing ghosts out there. It's, you know, he, he let the pocket collapse on him at, at multiple. I mean, time after time, even on his own five, it's like, and the, and the appeal with Donovan Smith was always that he has, he has the, you know, the, the high upside dynamic runner. And it's just really disappointing to see um, him not use his legs and him, sit there, let the pocket just collapse on him and take a sack on, on his own too. Um, you know, all that to say the botched snap, the botched exchange rather between him and the running back on, on the fourth and short read option really didn't help us cause either. I mean, listen, you can't be turning the ball over that shucks problem is turnovers, a sloppy play. That was the least of diamonds with concerns was a sloppy play. So, um, you know, not great ball placement from him either. So, just a really disappointing showing. I don't think Smith's on the roster next year, to be honest. I bet he hits the portal if, it, if you know. I, I've always said the guy who places third in this race, probably going to be in the portal. Um, that'll probably be Donovan Smith. So, uh, like I said, though, kind of the overall summary of it, I guess, is Morton should be the guy week one. Like I said, uh, he's young. I don't really care about that at all, to be honest with you. He's a second-year guy. There's plenty of second-year quarterbacks that are great. He's gotten a lot bigger. His running ability pleasantly surprised me. He was really quick in the pocket, really quick getting up and out. Um, you know, his first two reads weren't there. He, boom, he was gone. He's out the pocket. So um, he's stepping up and going. And it's not like he was, you know, rushing to get out of the pocket. But when he realized there was nothing open deep down the field, it was an immediate, you know, tuck the ball and get out or, or kind of roll out and find someone to kind of improvise. And uh, he did that a lot. And, um, you know, for me, it's the arm talent, too. He's got the best arm talent on the team for a team that wants to run the air raid offense. Wants to sling it, got to have the guy with the arm talent. So that's kind of my take from it. I know I, I was relaying the information to Brett as it was going on. He was at the base, both baseball games on Saturday. Um, kind of split duty, if you will, on Texas Tech sports uh, reporting. You know, we dabble in that, so um, keep, keep each other updated. But, yeah, no, um, good show from the spring game in general. Like I said, Morton's the guy, in my opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. Based off what you said, uh, seems like it's pretty clear cut who should be starting. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a non-conference play against teams that we know we're going to beat to see some multiple quarterbacks get some action. Um, no doubt. You know, no doubt. Playing at a half at a time, maybe. Because I know Murray State and a couple other non-conference games should be pretty easy. I mean, you never know what could happen. Um, last year, we almost lost to SFA. But they should be pretty easy. So I'd love to see multiple quarterbacks get in. But it's definitely going to be interesting, though. Uh, like you said, I think it's definitely good to see competition. Uh, it just makes everyone better, and having three quarterbacks with an extra year of experience should only be better for the roster and for the offense. And no doubt. Um, like you said, I'll echo what you said. You'd love to see some some rotation in the Murray State game. I know game two of the year is, is UH. Um, I'd like to have a starter nailed down by then, but if if we're getting two quarterbacks in the, in the Murray State game, I think that, that that's fine with me. Um, as long as one was Morton, and as long as he's the guy who's got the front runner lead. Um, again, maybe something changes over the summer, but 
I'll have a lot of questions if, if we come out week one and, and, and shucks the guy or Smith's the guy over Morton um, for the most time, most, most part, but shifting the defensive side of the ball, um, a lot of buzz around the defense uh, being the best it's been in, in the past decade, um, kind of around the spring. And, and I think it lives up to the hype. The defense was very physical. They looked really big. They looked fast, looked physical. Um, I'll say this defensive coordinator, Tim DeRuiter was dialing up the heat and keeping the offense on their toes. The offensive line looked a little confused at times. Um, you know, I'll preface that by saying I've never been a part of or around a spring football setting where the defense was not kind of looking better than the offense. It's just kind of how it is sometimes, but um, really physical for on the defensive end. Um, look for Krishan Merriweather to have a huge year as his first year as a starting inside linebacker for the Red Raiders. Um, I really like his physicality. He looked really big, but he didn't look slow, which is nice. Um, Guy that I, guy, guy that I like a lot. Um, I actually, I actually found out about him. I was watching Christian Derisaw tape from 2020 in preparation for the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, can watch the Duke game, and I go, man, who's this number nine? Who's this safety for Duke? This guy's a monster. Um, he turns out he transfers to Texas Tech. And Mar- Marquise Waters has a good first few games last year. Ends up getting hurt. It's a season-ending injury. Um, he's back from injury now. In spring, he looked like the best player on the defense. He's all over the place. Um, really, really physical. Talk about a guy who's stupid strong, putting up four or five on the bench, 500 plus on squat and, and the power clean. Um, he's just a really, really strong guy. You can, he looks it. He looks the part. He, he plays the part. Um, guy that I'm looking forward to seeing this year, one of my favorite guys on the team, a guy that I think could be, you know, one of the best players on the defense this this season. Um, Got to have a high impact. Um, and then I guess a couple other, a couple other notes that are um, – I took from the scrimmager Blake Bedwell, transfer running back from SMU, earned himself some touches come the fall. Uh, guy has great acceleration, really good in the short area, kind of quick against the department. Um, I guess with the second offense, I mean, he was great. Um, not a guy who's going to hit a home run hitter per se, but a guy who's great to pick up a few yards here and there. Um, again, really good accelerator, gets up to that top speed really nicely, um, really quick. Also, Austin McNamara, Texas Tech punter, is for the brand, no doubt. Shout out to Pat McAfee's show. They those guys. I mean, he'll be all over Pat McAfee's Twitter this this season. He might be the best punter in the country. In fact, I'll plant that flag right now. Best punter in the country this year. Uh, you know, whatever. I think it's the Ray Guy Award should go to should go to Austin McNamara this season. He guys, he he's that guy. He's so good. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we saw it last year. McNamara's a he's really tall as well. Um, maybe that yeah, helps. You know, kind of the leg speed, having longer legs, you get to I, generate may- more. I'll, ask, I'll, I'll, I'll Twitter DM Pat. I'll ask him about the torque on the longer legs for sure. I'm just saying it might have an effect. <laughs> no, I think he, you're right. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I definitely remember last year was bombing some punts and some games. Oh, yeah. um, of course, you never want to see, you know, us punting. I'd rather see him holding. But what he does, he's incredible at. Maybe, you know, quietly could be one of our most valuable players this year, honestly. The field position oh, game easily. is so big. Uh, yeah. But in terms of defense, Krishan Merriweather – you know, he played last year with Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler. He really helped his development a lot. Um, he really looks like an NFL linebacker, which is the eye test. Um, he should really come in and produce, probably leads the team in tackles. Marquise Waters, a uh, guy that has more nicknames than anyone ever. Dude has like a dozen nicknames, I swear. Um, but, you know, I love – seeing him play it was unfortunate last year he had a seasoning injury uh, he had a pick six though uh so look for him to be a dominant force here in a secondary that looks really deep uh, and then the running back room looks you know like you said Blake Bedwell he should be promising for us this year you know Taj Brooks should be the running back one we also have Sir Roderick coming back 
and a couple of young guys. So that room should really, you know, round out nicely as the season progresses. And hopefully uh, in the bowl game, we'll ha- kind of have that same running back room for maybe another year. But I think yeah. that's pretty much it uh, for college, or at least for Texas Tech football. I know Gary Bohannon, Baylor's starting quarterback for pretty much the entire last season last year, entered the transfer portal today. Um, it is rumored that he is interested in Florida State. But the McGuire connection, he could always come to Texas Tech. And I missed this news. Pers- personally, he would be, I think he would be our starter. Oh, yeah, no uh, doubt. He, he's, he's very, very good. So, wow. That's always something that's... to look for. I, I'm, I'm, this is the first time I'm hearing this. I'm, I, I was studying for a test all day at, at school. Um, wow, that, yeah. that's crazy. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked but about that. Their, uh, their quarterback that they had take over for him balled out in the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss and in the Big 12 title game against Oklahoma yeah. State. So I think, you know, he's going to be the guy from here on out, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Bohannon decides, and hopefully I don't know if McGuire's going to be in on him or not, but I guess will remains to be seen. Um, at the pro level, NFL, uh, not too much news outside the draft. The team with a top overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars, extended their left tackle this morning, um, heading into his fifth-year option. He signed a three-year deal worth $54 million, 18 a year. Uh, puts him in about top eight in terms of offensive tackles across the league, which is just ridiculous for him. Um, he's probably a top 30 tackle or top 25 maybe, not a top eight. Um, and it's a three-year deal, so kind of confusing. Uh, the Jags haven't really allocated their money in the right spots or for the right amounts this offseason. Um, it just seems like they're kind of spend and get guys for their roster and use up their salary cap. Um but paying Christian Kirk 20 a year and Cam Robinson 18 a year is not a recipe for success. Shocked, to be honest with you. Um, it puts him ahead of Garrett Bowles, who's way better than him. It puts him uh, – I believe it's going to be just ahead of Colton Miller for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the guys who he's behind, he's going to be pretty equal. Jake Matthews on the on the, uh, on the the Falcons is going to be behind Ronnie Stanley, Laramie Tunsil, David Bakhtiari, and Trent Williams, who were all undoubtedly – uh, better than him and, and probably top five to eight tackles in the NFL. Um, you know, you're kind of outside of that group of top guys. You're looking at, you know, Jedrick Wells, Rashawn Slater, Christian Derrissaw, uh, Ms. Panay Sewell, you know, r- you know, rookies uh, the past couple of years that are really solid. Tristan Worf's another one. Um, but wow. I mean, this is, um, I don't like the contract at all. I think it's terrible. You look at what Teron Armstead got this off season. Again, the guy's a little bit older, but still, playing like one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Um, Cam Robinson, a guy that I don't think is that great, to be honest with you, in terms of left tackles in the NFL. I think he's about average across the league at left tackles. Um, again, he falls. He's going to fall in that 12 to, to 18 range in terms of ranking. So um, I hate it. <laughs> I hate the contract. Especially in a yeah, year where you could take you could take a tackle at one. You, you didn't have to tag Cam Robinson. You can make every let everybody know, hey, we're taking a tackle at one. You don't have to lie. You have the first overall pick. No one's jumping you to get to get a pick. So, exactly. you know, it, and it's a it's a it's a pretty good tackle class. Um, you know, we had this conversation earlier off the pod that you know last year's top two tackles I think are better than this year's tackles. But that that's those guys were all pro. Like Rashawn Slater was an all pro this year, and Penesul, you know, probably could have been if he played left tackle all year. So. Those are two of the best tackle prospects we've seen in a long time. So, and I, I like 
Ikema Kwonu and Evan Neal a lot, both of them. Um, I love both their games. They could have taken either one of those guys. I, I'd be taking Icky to play left tackle, taking him at one. Um, again, they could they could have done that and moved on and pay, paid an edge rusher or just, I don't know, not taking an edge rusher in a class that, you know, we, there's no consensus top guy, it sounds like. So, um, and, and I don't know. I don't know how, how you feel about yeah. the contract overall, but um, I guess. I think the contract. A little bit, but I think it's terrible. I think it's too steep, obviously. Um, it's a guy that really hasn't done a whole lot to earn that. Um, could see maybe 10 mil, 12 mil. 18 is kind of crazy. Um, my philosophy is pay your edge, Josh Allen, who is a lot better than Cam Robinson at what he does, yep. and draft a tackle rather than paying a tackle and drafting an edge. Um, and we'll get into the edge in a second um, with our draft stuff to round out this episode. But I just think, you know, putting a drafting edge at one, putting him across from Josh Allen would be really nice for that defense. And, you know, it would be beneficial, obviously, but I think tackle is more valuable and you got to do the right, make the right moves at that spot. And paying Cam Robinson is not a right move. You got two tackles. One of them should be really, really good if you want to be successful in this league. So just take an edge at 33. There's going to be plenty of good edge players. Arnold, Arnold Abiketti, Drake Jackson, Kingsley Enigbare, Boye Mafe, uh, Josh Pascal, Nick Benito, all guys that could very well be there at 32 or 33. Ojabo. Take one there. Ojabo, again, like – Trent Balky is going to Trent Balky, and I'm well aware of that. And I'm going to get into that with my well, as we get into our, our draft takes in a second before before we finish out the pod today. But like, I guess Trent Balky is going to Trent Balky. But that I mean, it it makes me mad for Trevor Lawrence because instead of getting a guy who's may, maybe even better than Cam Robinson, and you're wanting a Kamakoni or Evan Neal at one, you decide you're going to pay that guy. You're going to pay your left tackle currently, and then you're going to go. I don't know. It, it's just so backwards. I, I hate it so much. Um, uh, it is really confusing and Whatever. a little frustrating just to see. Balky gonna balky, I guess, man. I mean, that, that's 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 the that's the move, I guess. I guess so. It's. <laughs> I just wish the team that would pick at number one back to back years have huge spotlight on them. Um, would make smarter moves, and it's just more exciting when you know teams are good and it's more competitive. Yeah. Um, so seeing the Jags kind of stay stagnant even with all the capital that they have is just you know kind of frustrating. I know. Jags fans are just beyond themselves uh, based off just the moves they make routinely. Um, to round out the episode, like we said, uh, the draft is tomorrow night. Uh, day one, round one, is tomorrow at 7 Central. Day two, which will have rounds two and three, will be Friday at 6 Central. And the rest of the draft, day three, which is rounds four through seven, uh, will wrap up Saturday at 11 a.m. Central. Um, so earlier start there on Saturday, probably go for most of the day. Um, yep. But what we have for you guys today is three sets of takes in ranging uh, severeness. And uh, yep. uh, we have mild, hot, and scorching takes. Uh, we have one mild, two hot, and one scorching each. Kind of, Kind of alternate here with our takes uh, for the draft tomorrow night, primarily talking about the first round um, as day two and three are kind of random. You never have any idea what teams are going to do really. 
So I'm going to jump into it, start it off with my mild take. I think there's going to be four edge rushers in the top 10. You know, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau are givens. Uh, Trayvon Walker's gotten a lot of hype, which is why I altered my scorching pick, actually. Um, but, you know, four edges in the top 10, I think Jermaine Johnson will be that fourth guy. And I think it could be, he could be top eight. Um, I just think he could go 10 to the Jets, and that's a realistic possibility. That's also a mild take. You know, I can't get too hot with it. Yeah, I'll go with a mild take, and this is going to kind of go directly with what we're talking about with bulky is going to bulky. I really think Trevon Walker's going one overall now. Um, I know we've said on the mock for a while that us taking Hutchinson at one wasn't going to change until we heard differently. And in the past 36 hours, I guess kind of the evening since we posted the mock between then and now, so almost a full 48 hours, there's been an overwhelming movement towards, hey, Trayvon Walker's going one. Like, listen to this. And because Balky likes Trent Walker, Trent, Trent, Trent Walker, Trevon Walker, Trent Balky likes him. Um, I think it'd be terrible. Listen, I get it at, at some point, um, you know, the projections there, but I don't think it should, I don't think it's the pick, but again, Balky's in a Balky. sounds like he likes Trayvon Walker the most. And um, it was, the rumor was that Doug Peterson liked Ken McQuonu a lot and he's off the table. They just, they just signed a tackle to a lot of money. So you can't do that and then go draft a tackle at one, especially when you drafted Walker little last year um, and he looked good as a rookie. So um, yeah, and my mild take, yeah, maybe it's a little bit hotter than Brett's, but I still think it's a mild take with all this news we've had come out in the past couple of days. Um, like I said, it's kind of since the mock got posted on Monday night was um, kind of as, as reporters rolled into Vegas uh, throughout Monday and, and kind of did their, made their rounds, talked to everybody. It seemed like Monday night uh, to Tuesday morning was really when the, the push started happening. And here we are at Wednesday at about four o'clock central time. Um, it sounds like Trevor Walks will be the first overall pick. Yeah, definitely crazy. Uh, it reminds me of the Cleveland Farrell going fourth overall to the Raiders a few years Even ago. Even worse. Um, it's just really weird that a guy that had nine and a half sacks and 12 tackles for loss in his college career could go before Kayvon Thibodeau, who had nine sacks and 13 tackles for loss his freshman season at Oregon. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of crazy. That also altered, you know, the Cam Robinson signing. And just the news surrounding Trayvon Walker altered one of my hot takes, uh, which would have been Ikema Kwonu was going to go number one overall. Um, so now I think it's, you know, it's really just between, between Trayvon and Hutchinson to be the top guy off the board tomorrow night. Uh, we're going to jump into our hot takes, though, our medium level uh, takes that we have for tomorrow's draft. Uh, we each have two. I'm going to give one and then you can kind of alternate through this. Uh, yeah. I think Chris Olave is going to go to the Washington commanders. If they stay at 11, uh, they're a team that's not sure what they want to do. Like in terms of where they want to pick yet. And obviously we're going to see a lot of movement. I think tomorrow night based off how the board falls, because I think this year more so than others, you know, last year too, with it just being COVID and stuff, teams boards there will be a much bigger discrepancy on who is where on teams boards than there usually is there won't be nearly as much consensus as there will be probably in a two years even next year um so i think olave is the wide receiver that washington takes if they stay at 11. yeah i like it um you know i i have no idea where teams are going to feel about how they're going to feel about wide receivers um I'll say this, typically speed goes first. We saw it with Henry Ruggs. I did not think he was wide receiver one in that class, and he went first overall. Um, Waddle went pretty quick last year, being pretty fast. Um, so teams tend to like that deep speed. I think they want to get the next, the quote, next Tyreek Hill. There's no next Tyreek Hill. I will die on that hill. He is a one-of-one one player, but 
that's a discussion for another time potentially. Maybe we'll get over that this summer when we get some kind of a dry spelling content. We'll get into that this summer maybe. But um, I'll go with my my less my more mild take my more mild of my two hot takes first. Um, George Pickens is going to be a first round selection. Um, there's been a lot of buzz about him and the negative around him. Um, I think a lot of it's going to be some. I think when you when got when we didn't really see it the past couple of years because the draft was a little bit different with COVID. But as these reporters get to these these on site draft sites, um, there's teams put out a lot of fake information, if you will. They lie a little bit to try and get guys to fall or whatever. And been a lot of negative talk around around George Pickens. And um, you know, for me personally, George Pickens has some of the best tape in, in college football. His freshman year, just like Derek Stingley. Um, does Pickens have some maturing to do? I mean, absolutely. I mean, a lot of these guys do. They're 21 years old. I mean, I'm 20, and I still have maturing to do in certain parts of my life. So and that's everybody at 20, right? I mean, 20, 21, 22 years old. You know, guys, I mean, some of these guys aren't done developing, whether it's uh, physically or mentally. So um, does Pickens maybe have more than others? Probably. Um, just with some of the stuff we've heard uh, as, as kind of his career has gone on at Georgia. But nevertheless, the guy is incredibly talented. He offers a unique skill set of being a guy at 6'3", 200 pounds who can still get down the field quickly and get open in the deep game, as well as come down with the bit with the big, uh, the big home run ball, uh, kind of the deep ball shot. So a guy that can get go up and get a ball as well as um, you kind of get open and beat a guy deep. So uh, I like George Pickens a lot. He made my top five for the receiver list, um, the head of Traylon Burks. So a guy that I think is going to be a first-round pick. And look, probably, in my opinion, he probably goes to the Chiefs, um, maybe the Bucks as a sleeper spot at 27, but um, maybe even maybe even Buffalo at 25. Another spot to look at. It kind of similar to Gabe Davis, but you get two guys up there on the field, it's kind of a problem. So, um, you know, I like uh, I like him going to the first round, though, for sure. I agree. It's definitely something I could see. I wouldn't be shocked just because of sheer, you know, upside and what he did his freshman year. Um, I think if him and Derek Stanley both stay healthy their whole college careers, they're both probably top eight picks. In the draft, uh, Derek Stanley still could be, honestly. Uh, wouldn't be shocked me if he was top eight. And it seems like his stock's kind of slowly creeping uh, up for him in these last few days. Uh, but in terms of what Buffalo could do at 25, I think Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State and my top running back in this draft, goes in the first round. Um, you know, most running backs normally you don't see in the first. You know, it's really since Zeke was taken high running back value has kind of dropped just because of how dispensable running backs are nowadays uh, outside of, you know, a few, but Brees Hall is, you know, very well-rounded back, really good pass catcher. I said last time that he's, I think he's similar to JK Dobbins in a lot of ways. Um, but I think if he is drafted in the first round, as I have my hot take, he goes to Buffalo at 25. They're a team, you know, they have Zach Moss, Singletary, but I think getting Brees Hall really puts that offense over the top. Yeah, no, and we mentioned uh, some kind of a similar thing about the Bills being a team that could take a running back in the first round. Um, it just seems like a team that could always take a running back in the first round, you know what I mean? Um, but I could see it. I, I like the Brees Hall take. I think he's the most rounded back in this class. He was my my second running back just behind Kenneth Walker due to a couple of reasons, but um, I do think he's the most well-rounded back of the two. I think he does a, little, a few things better than Walker does. Um and a few things less good than he does, if if that makes sense. He's like okay, it's just more well-rounded of a player. Um, but I like that a lot. My my second hot take is gonna be um, that the Steelers and the Panthers are taking quarterbacks. Um, I feel pretty confident about this. Um, Panthers GM, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Guy's kind of a 
uh, egghead. Fitterer. Yes, Brian Fitter, kind of an egghead. I'm not gonna. I'm. I'll keep it a stack. He's kind of an egghead. Um, the guy just lets things slip in media, in media sessions that he really shouldn't. Um, he threw. It's basically about basically they're gonna take a quarterback at six, and then he like realized he shouldn't have said that, and then he was like, "Well, you know, we're also looking at like you know Brian Burns maybe like replacing him," and it's like, "Bro, you're not replacing Brian Burns." Like everyone knows that. Um, you're gonna extend him. So it, they were kind of like he. he put his foot in his mouth and had to backtrack. Um, they're taking a quarterback. There was a report that there's multiple quarterbacks that are comfortable, comfortable taking at six. The exact same report came out about the chargers at six, two years ago. Um, there was multiple they're comfortable with and they were. So I, I think they're taking a quarterback. I don't think they move up to get one um, like the Steelers. They could sit and take one at 20. I could see them moving up. I just think that they are, they've interviewed every quarterback. They had private workouts with all of them. They've made it no secret. I think they are no doubt taking quarterback. Um, very confident in both these. I get to sit on the pod. I would put money in on Vegas. Put money in Vegas or money on the Steelers to take a quarterback in Vegas. Um, I'd go to Cedar Sportsbook and put money on if I was there. So I like it a lot. I don't know what the odds are. I couldn't tell you, but I'd take the odds, whatever they are. Um, I just think that they're taking a quarterback same with the Panthers. So that's my hot take, and I'll I'll die on that hill and, until it happens. Until then, maybe I won't die, but, you know, you, you get the point. I got you. Uh, yeah, definitely see that happening. Um, Steelers and Panthers, both teams that are in need of a quarterback to kind of, you know, rejolt, I guess, the fan base and the team. And, you know, two teams that are very different in a lot of ways. Uh, both could use a quarterback. Um, you know, Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky shouldn't be your future at that position, no matter who you are in the NFL. Um, solid backups, I believe. But, you know, I could really see them taking a quarterback uh, and it'd be honestly good to see, you know, uh, it's more exciting when, you know, the young guys, the highest upside guys are getting some playing time and that's what the rookies that they will likely take will be. So I guess it remains to be seen what happens tomorrow night. Uh, Steelers probably trade up, but I don't know what they do. They just don't have too many picks to where it's, it kind of, it's kind of confusing. I think there'll be a quarterback there for him at 20 as they visited with pretty much every one. But I think the guy they want, they might have to trade up for. But I guess we'll find out. Um, but for scorching takes, we each have one scorching take for y'all to round out the episode today before our very late episode tomorrow night. Uh, my top linebacker in this year's draft out of Wisconsin, Leo Chanel, will be a first-round pick, a guy that had you know a third-round grade on him just a few weeks ago. Um, He's been in the second round recently in our mock. This past week, we had him going in the top 40. Uh, so definitely something to look out for is as he could be one of those guys to slip into the first round there uh, because we all know there's a few guys that no one expects to go in the first that do. There's a few guys that are there in the second round that no one thought, um, especially this year where there's just so much uncertainty. Uh, but your scorching take also addresses a linebacker. Um, so I guess you can kind of give us that and then maybe a few other predictions to finish off the episode. Yeah, um, I'll give my scorching take first. Like you said, it goes around a linebacker. Um, my LB1, seems like the consensus LB1, uh, Devin Lloyd, kind of projected going the guys the mid-20s. Um, he's going to be a top 13 pick. I say that because I think the, Tex the Texans could take him at, at 13. Um, I think – Saying his top 15 pick isn't very rich. I think it's a possibility he goes at 15. So I think being a top 10 to 13 pick is my hot, my scorching hot take. Um, 
I'll give a specific team. Seattle at nine. Watch for it. Don't be shocked on draft night if they take a linebacker. That's a he's a Pete Carroll player through and through. Physical, yep. hard nosed, instinctual player. He can do a lot. He can cover. He can rush the passer. He can get up, stop the run. Um, diagnosis plays really well. I'm a big Devin Lloyd fan. I'd love I I'd be cool if it took him at 17. I don't think we will, but I'd be I'd be thrilled if it took him at 17 for the Chargers. Um I see I say we as if I'm in the draft room. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um but no, I think Devin Lloyd uh, goes pretty high historically in the draft. You've always had linebackers go high. Uh, you know, last year you had, you know, Michael Parsons go at 12, a guy who people didn't think would go at 12. Um, a guy who I think is a similar type of player to Devin Lloyd in terms of being able to do a lot, being a, a, guy, a really good linebacker who can do a lot uh, on, on, the, on the field, whether it's rush the pass or drop into coverage or just play inside linebacker. Um, you know, the year before you had Isaiah Simmons go at eight, and he was he was a linebacker for teams. He's now kind of a hybrid linebacker safety, but guy yeah, was linebacker in 2019. Um, you had Devin White going five overall, and Devin Bush going eight. Was it eight or ten overall? Ten. So ten, yeah. So I think um, you know these guys. There are some teams that value linebacker really high still, and while the vast majority of NFL teams don't, I think I think there are still some teams out there that do, and I think the Seahawks are one of them. Don't be shocked on draft time. He goes at nine. Um, don't be shocked if a team moves up for him. The Steelers move up to 10 to get Devin Bush, and and everyone thought it was kind of a reach, and it proved to be a massive reach. Um, don't be shocked if a team moves up to get him. Uh, and it, whew, I had to give if I if put me on, I didn't think about this, put me on the spot with a team. Um, whew, I could see. Um, See Green Bay maybe going to get him maybe potentially. I was gonna say Pack in a, in a sleeping in a sleeper move. New England if they feel like he won't be there past Philly they will go get him. I think that I mean he is really good. He fits that team perfectly. Uh, New England, I'll say at twenty one. Green Bay at twenty two. Um, if he slides past New England, I could maybe see Cincinnati moving up to get him. Although Cincinnati Bengals fans hate that, I could see it happening maybe again. These are scorching hot takes. I'm kind of trying to put teams to it, but um, Seattle at nine. If if Washington wants to move back from eleven, Pittsburgh could go get a quarterback there. Like I said, they're taking a quarterback, or you could see a New England or a Green Bay go up and get Lloyd. In my opinion, I could definitely see it. That's definitely uh, an interesting take that I could see happening. It's just kind of crazy. Linebackers, you never really know where they're going to go. Um, there wasn't really a dominant number one backer in this year's draft. So, honestly, it could be five different backers, you know, you see going where you wouldn't expect. So, I think Lloyd could be a top 13. It definitely probably doesn't happen. Uh, but it would be really cool if it did, you know, just yeah. to shake it up. You know, shock is always just – when you're so shocked something happens at draft night, it just makes everything more enjoyable to watch. Um, when it's not just like all routine and this guy's going here, we know where this guy's going. Yep. This team got this guy. It's a lot more fun and enjoyable as a fan of any team to see, you know, unless your team drafts a guy like Trevor Penning, it's enjoyable to watch teams draft guys that maybe weren't projected to them. So be sure to watch for that as the draft starts tomorrow at, Seven Central, as we mentioned, uh, it will conclude on Saturday. So three straight three straight days of the draft. Uh, we're all geared up for it. We've been waiting for it ever since the season ended. 
yep. really ever since last year's draft ended. Um, super excited. The day is almost here. We got about 26 hours and 45 minutes to be Christmas exact. Eve, baby. Christmas Eve. So we're excited. Um, but be sure to tune in to our next episode, which will come out probably at like 1.30 Friday morning after the first round of the NFL draft has concluded. Uh, we're going to probably take notes during the draft, talk about it, kind of run through each pick, maybe if teams had multiple picks, because where it currently stands, eight teams have two picks in the first round. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the picks, how much movement there is in the draft, and we'll talk about all that for y'all with the episode we release late tomorrow. So be sure to stay tuned in for that. Uh, we also have our Mock the Draft where we discuss the winners and losers in each team's hall of the draft for our final Monday episode this upcoming Monday. Um, so a lot of content here for y'all this week as the draft is upon us. So be sure to stay tuned in. Like I said, uh, be sure to follow us as well. We're going to be live tweeting during the draft. Kind of. I was going to say, we're going to be live tweeting during the draft. Yeah. Quote tweeting every announcement or so uh, about the first round picks, just giving our initial thoughts. Don't want to, don't want to say too much because we want to listen to the of episode, of course, but um, yeah, be sure to stay tuned in. Follow us at cold seat podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And I believe that's it. You have anything? No, I'm, I think uh, we're really excited for, for tomorrow. Like I said, Christmas Eve, I'll be waking up to draft day by Drake on the morning. I'll be playing it all day on the car, going to class. We're playing it in my headphones, walking to the building. We're playing it at the gym. We're playing it everywhere. Um, it's draft day, draft day by Drake. Um, I won't, I won't show off my my vocal ability and, and give you guys a verse, but just know I'll be, I'll be, I'll be vibing to it all day. Probably ten plus listens tomorrow. So you're welcome, Drake. I'm helping to your cause. Um, but no, really excited. Uh, this is this is uh, like I keep saying, this is Brett and I's uh, bread and butter. Here's the is the draft. So um, we're looking forward to it. Going to be a great night tomorrow night. Uh, mics are going on right after the draft is over. So um, be exciting. Uh, should be really fun. Like Brett said, give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, at Cold Seat Podcast. We live tweeting during the game, or the game, during the game, during the draft potentially. Um, don't want to give away too much of our takes, but uh, maybe maybe a, a shout out to watch for this on that. But uh, for no doubt, uh, give it a listen and uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday night, Friday morning for some. Yep. See you soon.